This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to The Late Show with myself, Miss Sage, on this rather nippy Saturday evening. The time is exactly 8pm, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr Stammer, to talk about all things inclusion and the teaching of SEND. So don't go anywhere, you are tuned in, so stay in, because we're going to be talking it out really, really soon. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Right, good evening everyone and welcome to tonight's Late Show with myself, Miss Saith. As I said, got a really special guest lined up for us all today. Recent winner of Nason Send Teacher of the Year, may I add, which I've had the good fortune of actually teasing about in school because I also have the good fortune of being his actual colleague in real life. And I can see that I, I believe he's actually connected now. So if you unmute yourself, Mr Stammer, good evening. Uh, good evening. How are you, Sarah? <laughs> I'm fine. Just so the people know who are listening in, my first name is Syrah and Abed, as I know his first name too, just know that. I'm good, thank you, Abed. I believe you just come in from a jog. Late night um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, so um, I just, um, I think I ran uh, 1.1 miles and I think it was my personal best. I think I did it in 14 wow. minutes um, to join the show. Um, of course, <laughs> for the match, it, um, there was too much um, extra time. And yeah. I stayed until the um, right till the end, and so I had to run. Had to run. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't preparation for this interview, then, right? That was just something, just to reassure everyone. You do that anyway. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So now, Abid, Mister Stammer, I obviously know a lot about you. I have the good fortune of being your colleague, and I've obviously been as a senko a follower of your work for many, many years. But just for any of our listeners who may not know a lot about you, tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, um, so you've said my first name, uh, which is fine. Uh, Mark can't, um, unfortunately, um, um, introduce myself uh, with my name. I'm not sure if I've ever told you this, so I struggle to say uh, my own uh, name. Um, so at some point in this show, um, I'll try my best to say it, but you will uh, literally see the struggle. So, um, so it's something that I just try and um, avoid, and that's down to the fact that I do have a a a stammer. And for majority of people, stammer saying your own name um, is probably one of the most difficult things about you. Um, I'm twenty. I'm twenty eight years old. Uh, I'm a, a math teacher, currently a head of department. Um, I've been teaching now, I think, six years. Um, teaching is something I've always. Uh, always uh, wanted to do since I was 15 years old. Some people think that's quite sad. I'm like, no, but teaching is definitely something I've always knew that I wanted to do from a young age. Um, and of course, um, I've been, I've been, um, so I've been stammering since I could uh, learn to speak. So I think around three to four years old. Um, and it's something that will stay with me um, for the rest of my life. And I just learned to really uh, live with it and not, um, fighting fight against it which i which i 
have been doing for majority of my life, but but I've come to the point now where I feel really content. I've accepted it. Um, it's I mean, just part of me, and I just I need to become best friends with it, really. <laughs> that that in itself, see, if anyone who just tuned in doesn't understand why Mr. Stammer is so inspirational, I think that last sentence of yours makes it perfectly clear that it's something that you've chosen to accept and actually learn to deal with and actually how to manage. And whilst you're doing it, I think you're being very unfair to yourself, by the way, and underplaying how much work you actually do. And I apologize in advance, I will embarrass Mr. Stammer throughout this entire interview <laughs> because more That's than fine. him, I'll probably brag, brag about everything that he's achieved with his awards and what have you, and his phenomenal work with the Stammer Group that we'll talk about later on in the show. Now, Mr. Stammer, I'll call you Mr. Stammer because most people know you as Mr. Stammer, not by your first name like I do because <laughs> I work with you. You very kindly shared a bit about yourself and your history and you know your connection with Stammer and why it's such a significant part of your life. What I'd like you to share with us, if you wouldn't mind, is we're obviously focusing on, as we've discussed prior to the show, the theme of inclusion. Yep. And yep. you know, you've, you've, you've talked about the fact that you've grown up with the Stammer um, and I know for a fact, personally, you're very interested in the world of SEND inclusion because you work closely with myself. Before we discuss your experiences as a child, you know, linking into what you're doing now as an adult and obviously a fully-fledged, and may I say very good, head of department, head of mathematics, what do you define as inclusion? What does it mean to you? If I said in an educational <clears throat> setting, what's inclusion to you? What would you say? So, so of course, um, it's in the name. Um, so, like, students that want to feel inclusive Included. So, so the best way that I would say is giving an opportunity for for like all uh, learners, despite um, many send that have many disabilities that have, and the fact that they could work together um, in the same school and achieve the same things as um, everyone else. So it's basically so like in a nutshell, it's including um, everyone to learn and work together uh, wherever they are studying um, regardless of their disabilities and their send so and it's almost as if you cheated and looked at my notes because obviously as a senko i take my <laughs> own notes and obviously as i said mr stammer works with me so he knows exactly what to say but of i course. agree with you in the sense that if you actually look at the dictionary definition of inclusion which i did just for the hell of it it actually says integration but more so than integration blending send learners into an educational setting. So in a way, not actually singling them out, but actually getting them fully included so that they're literally equal to everybody else. And thank you for that, uh, Mr. I keep on keeping away first name now, Mr. Stam. I remind myself to say that. Now, as I said earlier, you know, I was going to ask you, you obviously have grown up with a stammer. Ever since you were born, you've had just, since you could speak, sorry, you've had your stammer. And obviously, you've accepted it beautifully and inspire so many people. And again, I'm sorry to embarrass you, but it is true. You inspire so many people with stammers and without stammers, in fairness, because Thank I don't you. have a stammer, but you inspire me as a saying all the time. What were your experiences like growing up with a stammer in your school? Obviously, without naming any names, of course. Were you in an inclusive environment? How were your teachers? How were your peers? What was it like for you? Um, so first things first was that, and it might be quite shocking to um um, yeah, um, actually, I didn't have a single teacher throughout my entire schooling history stop me to talk to me about my stammer. So, so on, sorry, I actually sorry, went... I'm going to interrupt you. Hang on a second. Your entire school? Yes. Life. Are we talking yeah. your primary school as well? Yes. So right. So 
primary school, secondary school, sixth form. The first time that I got support was when I seeked and self and referred myself to speech and therapy when I was um, 18 years old, just before when I was going to uni, um, because I wanted to finally find out what Astama was. And believe it or not, Sarah, the first time that I googled what Astama was, was um, um, in my last year of sixth form. So I, and the reason why, and I feel as if the fact that not a single teacher, primary school, second school, stopped me to talk about it or like anything to put in place, I, I think because of that, it really made me feel like that I was um, actually the like only person in the world who stammered. So it made me feel like even more rubbish that not, and no one's talking to me about it and my families are not talking about it and my friends are not talking about it personally i'm not talking about it it really did make me feel as if this doesn't exist and nowhere um because i didn't you know i'm even know a person who stammered and i know this must be so hard to believe but um it's a it's a fact um and um, even before school um my first ever memory of my stammer was, I think I was four or five years old. I was singing in the car uh, with my dad. I was talking to my dad. And uh, out of nowhere, he, he he shouted at me and be like, you know, um, uh, what's wrong with you? you? You know, why are you know why can't you speak properly? Why are you like in a rush to speak? You know, take a deep breath, you know, talk slowly. And that made me feel even more rubbish. Of course, I could probably use um, harsher words, but, 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 but that did... Thank you for not doing so you are So, so you know, I think because of that, you know, it's really it 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 put it put me off in my first twenty years of my life. You know me personally, and I thought for the listeners, some of very loyal listeners who've tuned in know me very well, and it's very. I'm I talk a lot, but I'm genuinely rendered speechless right now. If I'm honest, because you're not you're quite young, if you don't mind my saying. And what's terrifying is not only in your your primary education, secondary, even in sixth form, not a single adult engaged with you in any shape or form, even to politely observe the fact that you spoke a little differently. That's actually it's not just not is it not inclusive? It's the complete and utter opposite of inclusive. And I'm just sorry to hear that you were excluded so much. So much. I mean, did you ever pick up on peers? Like in your class, like, you know, oh, he talks a bit like I do or she. Was there anything like that where you picked up anyone who could make you feel so, a little less lonely? Um, well, from a young age, the bullying, uh, the name calling started from a young age. So that was all th- throughout um, uh, my secondary school and primary school. But of course, because then you get used to um, being in the same year group as, you know, as people, you know, they tend to stop saying things but uh, but uh, i mean it was mainly when i met, met a new students and stuff so you know for the name calling was very common um i was just i think i was just lucky enough that i was very thick-skinned from a very young age but i just know that um if i wasn't thick-skinned you know um, it could have been totally it could have been totally different and then a reason why i think no one picked it up okay for a fact, the teachers knew that I, that I stammered because I'm a stammer is very uh, noticeable. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes I feel as if it's because 
they didn't understand it and they didn't know how to approach it. Maybe or they didn't receive any any training. But looking back now, I really do wish that I had support from a young age. I think my parents could have just um, um, easily referred me to speech therapy. But I think coming from a South Asian um, um, culture, you know, there's a lot of abuse subjects and sometimes like maybe I think my parents were then listen know, let's call a spade a spade here it's a stigma isn't it it's a stigma yes, I'm also from a South Asian background and sadly unfortunately not just Southeast Asian many cultural groups in fairness there is a massive massive stigma attached to special needs and having a stammer and it being unfairly and wrongly unfortunately being seen as a weakness or something that one should be ashamed of and something that one should hide when we obviously know that, that could be further from the truth absolutely agree with you there uh, yeah, um, and thinking back now, like it does, like sometimes I don't realize just how how bad that was. Like, had there was no support, and it does make me feel um, upset at times when I really, really think about it because it could have turned out so uh, so much more worse. So I think um, I re- that I realized from a young age that the like only person that can um, help me um, is myself, and I did. I'm actually take on board things from a very young age. So I think by the time I was 14, I just knew, uh, you know what, I'm going to have to figure this out uh, myself. So I was like faking confidence, believe it or not. Um, I'd, uh, uh, so wow. I started to, to pretend that I was confident. So I can give you an example. And um, <clears throat> so... When we got to year 10, we obviously um, um, needed to choose our GCC options. And as you do, as a person who stammers, um, I chose to do G, um, GCC drama. Like, who does that? Um, when you can't even speak uh, fluently. And I just... What brave. I just knew, brave, actually. So, very brave. So I knew... So I was the kind of person where I knew that I need to chuck myself in the deep end. Um, and that's how I'm going to learn. And by the way, um, I was a life as well so that um analogy does work um so i so i did chuck myself in the in the deep end and i and i did th- things that that scared me so i saw so i chose to do gc drama and i um, and i remember the first uh, lesson of gc drama it was horrendous and i went back to my year manager and i told her please um i made a mistake um can i drop my gc drama and she she practically forced me to stay um, on GC drama, she goes, no, I bet, you know, this will be something that, that will really work for you. And, you know, um, it'd be good for you. And I did stick it out. And when I did uh, uh, leave school, it, um, it was by far one of my favorite um, objects. And, and things like faking confidence. So when we used to do drama, um, and all my friends, they... Um, they disliked me being in the in the drama group, and that wasn't because of my stammer. That was because I always volunteered for my group to perform first, and my friends used to hate me for it because <laughs> no one liked it. So the teacher used to say things like, "Okay, who wants to go first? And I used to put my hands up straight. I'm like, "Miss, we'd love to go first, but really, but really deep down, I I absolutely hated it. But there was a rationale behind it. People who who stammer um, because if you stammer it makes you feel a lot more nervous and anxious and if i was to wait my turn my mm, yeah. my anxiety would go 
So yeah. Sky high. So I just forced myself to, uh, um, you know what, um, I need yeah, to do it um, quickly. Yeah. So things <laughs> like that. Well, I'm sorry now. I think uh, you've downplayed something which I, I'm actually quite gobsmacked to learn tonight. It's a revelation for me, and I actually work with you. Lifeguard. Tell me oh, yeah. more, please. I'm just envisaging you, not like akin to obviously Baywatch per se, but running down and <laughs> saving someone's life. How does that work, dealing with emergencies? Oh, yes. Yeah, so um, I was a, a lifeguard and a gym instructor for three years. Um, oh, my so gosh. Str- <laughs> so, so, um, it's the night of revelations I- tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when I was in sixth form, um, of course, um, um, at that age, I needed to have my own money um, because I didn't want to um, rely on my dad but to just give me money at that age and I was applying for so many jobs as a as a as, as part-time jobs and I was generally getting no responses so I thought uh, uh, let me just use like some kind of course so, so I did my lifeguard course I had to pay for it um, and I thought uh, and to be honest I wasn't that good at swimming but I was decent enough to actually um, swim and you, and you need to um, actually be a good uh, um, swimmer um, but to be a, a, a lifeguard so I did my course and thankfully um, I managed to get a, a job and partially it's because I knew I like you don't really speak that much you just stand there and you don't have to talk um, you only have to go into the water uh, I mean someone's so, listen, not only are you a head of department who's so talented you're a careers advisor now as well this is great stuff of course I'm a I'm a qualified uh, lifeguard uh, manager and human uh, um, instructor so if the school ever oh we've lost you a bit are you there oh dear we've lost our guest hang on he's trying to unmute himself uh i think i've unmuted you now Abid. Oh, we've lost him midway through his really exciting lifeguard story. Do you want to maybe rejoin? Would that be something worth doing, Abbott, instead? If you can hear me. Right, okay, he's going to try and call back in. Please do bear with us. We're having a technical difficulty. Hopefully, I've just accepted his invite and Mr. Stammer should be back live on the air. Yes, I can see the green yeah. light. See you there. Oh, you got me worried then for a second. Hello? <laughs> you okay? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure uh, uh, what happened there. But yeah, um, I just saw it. So, um, so I did that for three years and I um, actually was still doing it when I'd start my teacher training. But then I um, left it because um, it was too much about uh, my workload. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just... I am in awe right now. I am that is, that is like cool factor 110. I'm sorry to say a bit. So are you still a qualified lifeguard now? This is fascinating. Um technically yes, but you need to um, renew your lifeguard qualification every 2 years. It's that strict. So I'm at date. I'm sorry. The gym instructor thing still in 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 date as well. Yes. So the Gym instructor, yeah, I'm the head. I'm doing, I'm even the head after this. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, so, so the listeners just tuned in. We've got Mr. Stammer with us talking about how he overcame the challenges that he faced as a young person with a stammer. And for those of you who are wondering, I do actually actually work with Mr. Stammer in the same school. Hence, I'm making the joke that I'm going to be revealing all his secrets <laughs> to the head teacher via email. Over to you. <laughs> Continue, please. Yeah. Um, so the the gym instructing that I'm sure that doesn't need to be renewed. So um, I'm qualified or to give people um in, inductions and how to use the gym to be honest i don't um look the part but that doesn't oh. mean that, that i can't be it so you know people expect me to have like muscles and six packs i'm like no 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 i'm far 
from that. But oh, you're <laughs> being unfair. You're being unfair. Listen, you're in better shape than I'm ever going to be, Mr. Stam. But let's be honest. Okay, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So... My word. So, wow. I, I'm just absolutely gobsmacked. I'm, I'm learning so much about you tonight myself, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> but one thing I will say, though, to go back, and again, I'm just so sorry to hear about how the lack of inclusion that you sadly experienced growing up, you know, through primary school, secondary school, sixth form, where no one teacher ever spoke to you and, you know, tried to support you with your stammer, even acknowledge your stammer, which to my ears as a Senko is horrific, to, you know, to hear because you're not even that old. So the Senko, the practice and what have you, did start to exist near the later years of your school career. And it's worrying that that was never ever addressed. But one little glimmer of, glimmer of hope you had, you said that your GCSE drama teacher did push you not to leave the option. Was that because they saw something in you? Is that just because they wanted to keep up the numbers in the class? <laughs> so my year manager who happened to teach drama, but she wasn't All a drama right. teacher. Pastoral, so she, staff. Yeah, yeah. So she, I think she, of course, uh, I think she knew about my, about the fact that I stammered, but she didn't say it. So like all she said is that um, it'll be good for your confidence i think you should still give you another shot so i thought um okay then i'll give you another shot and um like honestly um what i realized was drama was my way to finally um express myself and i could i could feel my confidence i'm growing and i'm gonna tell you a strange fact you don't stammer if you speak in a in a different um um accent or if you sing or if you um um, over exaggerate of the way that you speak which is perfect in drama because in drama you pretend to be someone that you're not and it's weird so so i i'm actually started to stammer less so and that made me feel so much better i'm like oh, okay and i think that's like pe people always said so how do you teach i'm like well i do still stammer in teaching but of course, um, as teachers, we know that the way that we speak when we're teaching um, is not the way that we speak like in a normal conversation. We um, over-exaggerate the way we speak, you know, you know, and it does help me. I mean, that way, so it was like um, I finally just um, um, uh, had the like, opportunity to be something I'm not, but it 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 really did um, help me with my stamina and my confidence. I'll tell you something, I've learned something new this evening because as a Senko, obviously I am aware of stammering and I was aware of the, you know, the fact that when you sing, it can have a positive impact. But even I just learned this tonight through yourself that speaking in a different accent actually gets rid of the stammer as well. I've actually learned something new now. So this is absolutely <laughs> educational experience for me this evening. Now, we've come for a little break, Mr. Stammer. We're just going to have a bit of a quick break, listeners. So please don't go anywhere unless you're going for a loo break, a tea break. I'll bring back the ball bonds, so stay tuned. We're going to continue this fascinating discussion after a short little break with the news. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk. 
Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Saturday the 15th of January is the deadline for applications to primary schools in England. Parents with children due to start school in September 2022 must go through their local authority to apply for places at their chosen primary schools. In figures released on the Department for Education's blog, Education Hub, it is highlighted that 91.8% of families were offered their first choice of primary school in 2021, with 98% receiving offers from one of their top three choices. The website details advice on how to access applications and information on how places are allocated in line with schools' admissions criteria. In Northern Ireland, a profoundly deaf pupil from County Antrim is campaigning for a sign language act after being made aware of how other people in the hearing loss community are supported outside of the province. Alanis Miller is currently studying A-levels in Life and Health Sciences and Mathematics. She hopes to study health and social care and social policy at university and has applied to Ulster University and the University of Edinburgh. During the application process, Alanis was made aware that it was not guaranteed that a British Sign Language interpreter would be available for lectures at Ulster University. However, if Alanis was to study in Edinburgh, an interpreter would be guaranteed due to the Sign Language Act in Scotland. Alanis has now begun a campaign appealing for the introduction of a Sign Language Act in Northern Ireland. In a letter to the Lord Mayor of Belfast City Council, she stated that it was important to promote access and that no deaf student should experience the frustrations of being held responsible for their own support needs. The campaign has been praised by the Lord Mayor of Belfast City Council and the head teacher of the secondary school Alanis attends. The Evening Standard reports that hundreds of thousands of pupils will be guaranteed careers advice from the age of 11 if a proposed new law continues to be backed by MPs. The Education Careers Guidance in Schools Bill has cleared the House of Commons with an unopposed third reading and will now undergo further scrutiny in the House of Lords. If the bill is successful, all schools across England will have to guarantee careers guidance to pupils from Year 7, including those who attend academies. In an article on the website Monitor, Emily Marakthor writes about the impact of the pandemic on school children in Uganda. Many children have only just returned to classrooms this month, although relief is expressed by many that this long-awaited return is now a reality. Whilst there is no telling if the return to schools will be disrupted further, the majority are happy to be back, although Uganda's education leaders state that they will continue to ask, what can we do to improve educational opportunities for our children. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News. 
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Last week I looked at some free apps for the New Year's resolution of getting fit and healthy. This week I tried a few things out and I'm ready to present my findings. First up, the free version of MyFitnessPal. There's an old age saying that 90% of fitness is in the kitchen. If you want to get in shape, you have to have the right building blocks to do so. With this in mind, I set out to log everything I ate and for good measure, I even broke out the scales to get portion sizes correct. My first discovery is that 45 grams of granola, the recommended portion size, is nothing like the portion I've been having. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that it wouldn't even fill a hamster. Realising I was eating three or four times the portion I was supposed to has made me think about my other choices, so I ate the recommended 45 grams and logged the milk. I was surprised how easy it was to find foods in the search feature, even supermarket brands. The app gave me a calorie target based on my weight, height and goal I'd chosen. As I had a coffee, I decided to map out my day and stick to it to stop myself cheating. After a week of tracking, I reviewed what I was eating. I could see where most fat and calories were coming from, allowing me to consider, I'm not promising anything, where I could make changes. The question you want me to answer is, did I lose weight? The answer is yes, but I think my next experiment had the most impact on that. Over the break, I managed to fall asleep watching TV and woke up to an infomercial on a DVD box set to get fit in 60 days. 60 days sounds quite quick, but thinking about it, it's practically two months. However, I did a bit of research and found a program that didn't need any weights or equipment, just floor space. I picked up the Insanity Workout series for around £35 on Amazon. My thinking being, you'd pay that for a month in a gym and I get to keep this forever. Now, I will confess, I do consider myself quite fit already. However, nothing could have prepared me for this. With Sean T, the amazing energetic coach screaming dig deeper and about 20 fitness professionals bouncing around what looked like a high school gym i've spent 45 minutes a day for the past six days jumping stretching squatting and definitely sweating being honest i was ready to tap out after the warm-up on day one i'm not gonna lie i used muscles i don't think i've ever used by day three even sitting still and lying in bed at night hurt after pushing through today on day seven a rest day the pain has subsided and i feel great i just have one word of warning if you're looking to do something like this the long walk from the car park with load books may be impossible in the first week. Read the disclaimer, this is not to be taken lightly. In conclusion, I can't see myself keeping up my fitness pal once the novelty wears off, but it has made me look at my diet. A DVD fitness program for me is great. Finding 45 minutes is not always easy, and if you want to try before you buy, if you're a member of Netflix or Prime already, there's programs on there which are already in your subscription. Next week, we're back to Tech for Teaching. I'm Steve Woods, and this was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Right, welcome back to the show after the break. I hope you had a nice blue break, tea break, back a bourbon biscuit. For those of you who just joined the show, welcome, welcome. You are on the late show with myself, Miss Sade, and my very special guest, Mr. Stammer. And we've been talking about him overcoming challenges as a young person with Stammer, who sadly didn't get a lot of support from his teachers in primary, secondary school, or even sixth form, but obviously overcame them to become the successful person that he is today. Now, Mr. Stammer, yeah. I know, and I, I'm sure a lot of listeners who know you will know, that you, you obviously feel very passionately about supporting young people who, like yourself, are living with stammers. And sadly, even now in 2022, are facing, you know, sometimes professionals who aren't very inclusive in their practices. You are running a lot of workshops, I believe, to support students with stammer. It's not just a case of having a fad and doing one thing just for the heck of it. They're actually really established groups, aren't they? And they've actually got a Twitter group as well, I believe. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Um, so, so I run um, stammer support 
groups. Um, it's something that I've run in um, every school that I've uh, worked in, and it's something that I do voluntarily um, whenever I've got time in my timetable. So um, in all my previous schools, this is something that I did um, on a weekly um, basis, and it was just purely to improve the confidence of, of people with a stammer or a speech and language communication need. Um, and then during uh, last year, so last year's, um, um, I remember um, as a New Year's um, resolution, and because it was COVID, I just thought, why don't I just start one <clears throat> um, online? So I do run a, <clears throat> a stammer support group for young people uh, once a month, and I do get quite a lot of families signed up. I think the most that I had in one session was 60 families. Wow. I, and at that point, I didn't realize what I got myself into. I thought, okay, <laughs> how am I going to do this? So I had to rely on good friends of mine and my network of people who stammer to join me. And then we did breakout sessions and I planned um, activities. And, and, and it was only um, literally for just under uh, one hour. And... Um, and we rarely spoke about stammering because I'm not a, a speech and language therapist and I don't want to give um, advice I mean, from that perspective. And That'd we just really played. Yeah. yeah. So we just like did confidence building um, activities and it was, and it's something I'm still doing um, on a monthly basis. Um, and I co founded and I, and I co run one for. Um, adults. It's called the Birmingham Stammering Network, um, and I've been doing that for I think just under three years. Um, and I run like social um, um, groups for like adults who stammer. As well. so I've even got people who are like fifty, sixty years old that that join in. Um, so yeah. sixty, as in six zero. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going off, I'm, I'm going off the question a little bit here. No, I'm just personally intrigued here. The people who are 50 and 60, obviously without disclosing personal information, are, are they asking for your support because they don't get it anywhere else? Or is that just something they do just to feel like they belong somewhere? I'm just intrigued that somebody of that age not getting the support yeah. they need. So I think it's more of a to, to, to fit in, to belongs somewhere so you know people who summon will struggle to to socialize and it's sad that um, people in the like in the like a much older category are they still struggling to to accept it so what I thought is why don't I just make a, a a very safe environment where there's no judgment and it's just strictly for people who stammered or to just come together um are we are we talk are we socialize or we play a few games um, um, we play a few games and it's just that safe environment where they can really feel as if that you know no one's going to laugh at them no one's going to judge them and they can just finally be themselves and the group has um, always grown and when it when COVID happened um, I had to move it to to online and when I moved it online I thought okay so now it makes sense to like um, open it to people um, outside of Birmingham 
and uh, we did and we um, actually get people like from Pakistan joining oh, in I from Lahore like honestly <laughs> like honestly once I had really? this um yeah so once I had this guy oh, from wow. from Lahore and I can tell he was at the local bazaar at the shops and he was joining in from an internet cafe. I was like, yeah, yeah, join in, my friend. And it was oh, wow, just good fun, man. Well, I was going to ask you, just out of curiosity, do you only have like, not only, but is it mainly Birmingham or is it just maybe wider the West Midlands? But you're getting international people with stamps <laughs> reaching out yeah. to you. That's amazing. So um, before COVID, it was strictly for people in the, in oh, the Birmingham um, area. Caps. Shout out to Caps. Caps is from Birmingham too. West City Caps. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before COVID, um, because we were like we were like allowed to meet um, in person um, to make sense that people um, around Birmingham used to um, attend. And I used to run it at Birmingham City University because I got a free place there because of a uh, of a link that I had there. Um, and so we used to do it um, at the university and then we used to just go out to like a restaurant or like somewhere where we can just have tea and coffee. But then it just went, um, um, I invited um, um, anyone and everyone um, on Zoom. I'm just, well, actually, in a way, COVID actually kind of worked in international stammerers' favour because then they were able to reach out to you too. I just, I'm just thinking it's fascinating how you got any other countries besides Pakistan, like any other oh, yeah. cities or... Uh, so, <clears throat> so I'm not sure um, it's because of they saw my name and they could tell it's a, a, like a South Asian name, but um, I've got mm-hmm. quite a lot of people from, from like India, um, a few people from America tend to join but because of the um, time difference as well. Um, yeah, it makes so it's, it difficult. So it's a sure. very big, I think the main places have always been uh, um, in South Asia and some people from America um, used to join in. So, so. Wow, I tell you, I'm learning so much about you tonight. I feel ashamed. And just a funny little random fact for the listeners who tuned in right now. I won't obviously give away where we work, but Mr. Stam and I work in the same school. Not only that, his classroom is literally, what is it, a one-minute walk from my office? Uh, less than Half that. Half a minute walk from Less like than that. It's ten, ten seconds. Ten-second walk from my office door. You will be in front of Mr. Stammer's classroom. And I'm learning through my own radio show that you have a gym instructor's qualification, you have a uh, lifeguard inst- uh, qualification, and you deliver Stammer support sessions to people in Pakistan, India, America. And <laughs> I'm just so impressed right now. My word, I'm learning lots about you. Right, now as much as I want to go on and pass that, topic i do want to come upon, come upon obviously the pertinent matter of supporting send students in schools contentious if you will now um in a recent meeting that we had in school uh you did say every teacher is a teacher of send and linked yeah. to that actually and i'm sorry i'm going to again but mr stammer will play this down but he was he won the nascent Nathan, the official Nathan Organizations Award for the Send Teacher of the Year. So, round of applause on my behalf here, from on behalf of the listeners as well. Twenty twenty one, a phenomenal you. achievement, and officially and formally, congratulations on that. I've been really, really proud that you got such a phenomenal sort of like you know accolade, if you will. In light of that, and obviously your in you know comprehensive knowledge of Send, tell me more about why you think every teacher is a teacher of Send. So. Of course, we hope that um, every teacher has read the same code of practice. It 
clearly states that, of course, um, every teacher is a teacher of send. Um, every leader um, is a leader of send. So I don't worry, sorry, I, I, I have definitely read the whole, um, um, you know, the whole um, send oh, well, practice. I'll you on in a bit. I'll um, you on but, in a bit. <laughs> yeah, but don't kiss me on it, um, uh, I'm ready. Um, so the reason why um, I strongly feel more about that is, is possibly because of my uh, background of having a a speech impediment myself and i just think um especially when i started my teacher training um, i always felt the vibe from teachers that they used to feel like i don't know how to say but they used to feel frustrated or like annoyed when sometimes someone came to them and be like oh your cell learners are not um improving um you know and we've just looked at the like outcomes and they're not really making progress. And I used to see a lot of teachers just sign be like um, roll their like eyes. And of course, that's not um, every teacher. Um, and, I, and, and, and that just uh, used to make me think, do teachers feel like it's a burden on them to to have sent uh, learners? And to be honest, I've even had this conversation once where this teacher generally felt that students with send should be like in a space special school i'm like what so like all um kids with send and and that teacher goes uh, yes i'm like you know but of course there are some like um and we found the spectrum of of um, autism like um on the um, opposite end of course i can understand that you know some parents would prefer to put them in a in a special school but almost like that made me really think that okay so because i've got a stem and that was part of the sentence so it was i mean that that i should have been in a in a special school and that really made me realize and maybe teachers don't realize that we are teachers of sin as well and it's not a burden it's not um, it's not like an extra thing on your job description and it's something that should come uh, naturally with you and i think that's really stuck with me and since then i've always tried to make sure that you know what um that i do prioritize the, um, I send uh, learners um, because they do deserve that same level of um, education um, and you know they do deserve it and just trying to not in, 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 include them or do the best for them it's really sad and I think parents who are teachers and parents that have children with send they tend I, I found that they tend to be a lot more passionate a lot more dedicated and, uh, and it's sad and it, so I don't know how to say, it, but, but it's sad that um, you know they need to come to a point. If you have some, um, like a child with a son, that's when you start to take it seriously. But you know we should all be taking it very seriously. Um, I don't know how to read it. No, but, yeah. I know exactly what you mean, Mister um, Stammer, and I think you've touched upon another quite contentious topic within itself. And again, listeners, thank you so much, those of you tuned in. Please feel free to either call in, or if you don't feel that brave, then type in your comments. We're more than happy to talk it out with your good selves. Um, what you're trying to say, I believe, Mister Stammer, is the fact that certain children whose parents are in the world of education themselves as teachers, you know, my sister, my mum's a sister head, my dad's a deputy head, my, my auntie's a head of department, they get more of a voice because their family members understand the system and are in the system. And you're saying, I'm quite from wrong here, but you believe that it's unfair because those children whose parents aren't in the world of education have a disadvantage, are disadvantaged because of the fact that they don't have that extra knowledge. Now, just to go, a step, am I correct in interpreting? Is that what you meant to say? Um, uh, yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're just saying that to me, but I, but what, I wanna, what I want to pull back on here, and I do warn you, I'm going to be contentious on purpose. You say that every teacher is a teacher of send. Yeah. Now, I'm being devil's advocate on purpose. I did, I did forewarn you, I was going to do this, so, so you wouldn't be caught off guard. As a Senko, if I say to you that to say every teacher, and please, listeners, please, if you feel like getting involved in the debate, then please, please do. Of course, you're all more than welcome. Every teacher is a teacher of SEND is actually a statement that excludes SEND learners because it singles them out. And it also excludes other students who aren't SEND. So, you know, you said that... Um, to unpick a little bit, you said that I want to give the students the support that they deserve because they, well, I want to give that focus to them. Well, if you're focusing on them, I'm misaid. I've not got send. You're excluding me then. Where's my focus? That's my debate. Okay. So rather yeah. than saying every teacher is a teacher of send, my argument will be something along the lines of, and to quote Anita Devi, who I follow uh, closely on Twitter, um, she says, and what we should try to say is our aspirational vision is for all teachers to be responsive and inclusive of diverse needs. Discuss. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Ooh, okay. Um, so, so I did um, actually have this conversation uh, once with the teacher, and it's like saying, you know, um, you know, we want to treat um, every child the same way. So that means that, um, you know, that we need to um, teach, I mean, treat um, a student with SEND the same way that we treat another student with SEND, um, that we need to give them the same level of support. Well, I'm sure we understand that, of course, um, um, everyone's different in this world, and I don't think it's 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 possible to treat um, everyone exactly the same way. Um, so me giving um, extra support to someone that needs it I personally don't feel as if that means I'm disowning the like other child at all. Um, of course, it's a it's, it's a it's a very difficult um, uh, question. Um, so the way that I, I see, it is. <laughs> so the way I see um, is that okay. So like all I'm doing is I'm just giving a a a a. So if I teach to the top. That means I'm I'm ensuring that um, all my students are um, achieving what they need to achieve, and I think it's it's normal to accept that some students um, like they may just need a, a um, like an extra step, and that um, actually makes you like a much better teacher because it shows that you are um, um, responding to the needs of ch children. Um, so I think it's more. Oh. Now you know. I, I mean, it's a tough. Question. I have been, in fairness to you. The, the question no, I'm I'm is could be a whole this, show yeah. in itself. In fairness, what I'd like to welcome to Revolutionary Bro, lovely username by the way. Welcome to the show. Just join us. We're discussing uh, the current topic is every teacher is a teacher of send. Do we agree or disagree? Now, I do hear where you're coming from, uh, Mr. Stammer, because in fairness, if we start looking at the technicalities of send, say if I've got a child who's got an EHCP, an Education Health and Care Plan they would require extra support because nine times out of 10, every child who's got any, most children who've got an EHCP have got a personal fund attached because they've got specific provisions that you have to meet 
legally because it's a statutory document, you have to actually meet them. So you are right in the sense that if they deserve that extra support legally, they should be getting that entitlement, their entitlement. So I fully, fully hear you. My point is this, and again, I'm being devil's advocate. I do apologize for giving you <laughs> tricky questions after your really ferocious run of <laughs> getting back to your house for this show, which I'm grateful for. If I say, for example, I'm I'm thinking of a boy's name now and I can't. I'll pick Tommy because I can see Mr. Rogers over there. I'm sure he won't mind. I'm little Tommy. I'm 14 years of age. I've got no send, diagnosed or otherwise. I'm not being investigated for any send. But um, parents just got divorced and I'm struggling with my mental health. So yeah. if I would say everything to the teacher of send, send's being focused on, what about me? So, um, of course, um, as a as a teacher um we do need to try and meet the needs of every student and i'm not going to say that, that i need to now prioritize the needs but um, if that um, information was filtered to me what i would personally do is just make sure that i that i maybe approach things a bit more differently for that student so so naturally i'll just be probably a bit more nicer to that student because i know that they went through quite a lot and personally I, I, I feel as if i can cater f for the needs for like individuals but um if it comes to a point where there's too many then we do need help from from other teachers and other staff members and of course um, as um hopefully you, you know the school will have things put in place for that child and i do understand it's um, actually impossible for the teacher to, to cater f to the needs for for like um every single child mm. but but um well, like you said if a child illegally um is entitled for like extra support i will have to go f for that first and just i just try my best and and i just have to uh, let's say admit that maybe like there might be times where i can't support um every other child in that lesson but i promise to during that week um <laughs> and and, and transport Spread my, you know, my teaching out a bit more, but this listen, is why I work with you so I can relax the fact that Mr. Stammer is indeed a phenomenal, not being biased, but he's a phenomenal, phenomenal classroom practitioner. Um, what I will say is I think what we've touched upon, Mr. Stammer, is the fact that we're looking at two different things here. On one hand, we've got looking at the looking at the send learners. And obviously talking about your very touching story about how you grew up with a stammer without any support from anybody, any acknowledgement from even your respective family due to cultural stigma and what have you. That's one side of what we're looking at. But the other side of it is inclusion. And I think it's fair to say, and again, listeners, welcome to new listeners again. Thank you so much for tuning in. The second half of our slogan for Teach Talk Radio is Talk It Out. So please do feel free to call in or type any questions or comments in the chat. We're looking at inclusion here, Mr. Stammer. And I think it's fair to say that inclusion is much broader than send because inclusion, pardon the simplicity of my phrase here, includes everyone. And you've touched upon a really, really important point about you said that with a child who's got mental health needs, but no send per se, there should be something in place in the school. You're absolutely right. There should be something in place because true inclusion, and please feel free to challenge me here. I'm more than happy to have the debate. I love having debates about this in particular. And it's very close to my heart. It should be a culture in the school. It should be embedded I don't know what you think about that, Mr. Stammer, but akin to, for example, mental health. Yeah, it should be everyone's responsibility. There should be a practice in place where, and, and you talked about this a lot, which did break my heart, how you didn't feel you had a safe space to speak in. 
or to be accepted growing up. And it's about having that safe space in a new respective setting where a child feels accepted, a child feels supported, a child feels acknowledged, a young person feels acknowledged in the culture is it, is it, you know in the, in the academy respective of irrespective of what it is whether they've got special needs whether they've got mental health needs or what have you what do you think um yes so um you know um, so i so actually um remember four years ago um and so my one of my friends um he's a he's a teacher and he's very passionate about uh send and i knew that he he um wanted to become a become a a a a a senko and i and thankfully he has um, actually become a senko but four years ago i told him i go um, start taking some uh, mental um health um training courses for teaching because yes. i promise you because i can promise you in a few years time it's going to become really big in school and i think i i think because i was reading some documents that the government were we're releasing up by the way uh, um like a sad fact um, i do read a lot of government policy um documents uh, about me. teaching <laughs> you know darn well that i love reading dfe guidance if you're sad so, so am i <laughs> so i love it so, so i told him and i, and I tried to prep him i go trust me that there will be um tlr roles coming out for mental health in schools you know um, it will be big because i could i could tell that there was a a culture shift in the world where, where more people were starting to talk about uh, mental health and I knew that um, eventually um, um, that will be something really big and important for schools and now we have now we have come to a time where a lot more schools are t- doing things about it and uh, like you mentioned I think um, every teacher should be receiving some sort of training firstly for their for their own mental um health and secondly how we can support students with mental health and is something that thankfully the school has started to, to do and i think it should be literally made compulsory firstly in teacher training now and i think there should be like at least at least a module on it uh, I, um, I don't couldn't th- agree with you more i couldn't agree so, with you more so i don't think there is a module yet on mental health in teacher training. I believe they do touch upon it, but it's not given enough uh, uh, weighing. Uh, and, and I know currently the government are working on a new framework for teacher training, and I'm pretty sure they will um, include that in it. Um, I think, as I said, it'll take them like a year or two to finally come up uh, with a new uh, rigorous framework for teacher training. But yes... Um, every teacher should have that training um, um, as the bare minimum at the moment. Hey, there you go, Mr. Summer. That could be your next big project. You could be the one <laughs> to write the module for the new teacher training framework. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. And what I think is really special is the fact that you, if I may say so as a man, have said what you said about the importance of mental health in particular. Because I think, you know, you're saying to your friend that, oh, mental health is going to be a big topic. I think it's always been there as a mental health lead. Mental health issues have always been there. But sadly, because of this hideous pandemic, it's it's escalated to the stage where we we can't ignore it anymore. And even now, I was talking to somebody just the other day about the fact that even now, young men can't talk about their mental health because there's still this hideous stigma attached to it. And I don't want to get morbid in this conversation, start talking about suicide rates and what have you, but the, the figures are, are shocking. 
So it is definitely something that we need to be addressing nationally, in schools, even outside of schools, because it is such a pertinent topic. And that's why, to come back to the theme of inclusion, inclusion is more, you know, it's all encompassing. It goes beyond SEND. Having said that, one of the key areas of SEND is actually social, emotional, mental health. So they do kind of link in a way as well. Now, I've been very effective and giving you quite a lot of tricky questions. So before we go into our next news break... I'm going to give you a nicer question. <laughs> just to sure, be that's fine. <laughs> I do need to come back on Teachers Talk Radio at some point in the future. So, you, um, which which nice question should I give you? I'll tell you what question I'll give you. Okay. You um, are a prominent tweet- Twitterer, tweeter. I'm never sure what the, uh, the correct noun actually is. And you give lots of lovely, light-hearted tweets about, you know, and something which I'm very jealous of, your Hans Zimmer concert, for example, and what have you. <laughs> but amongst all of those, you do tweet some very educational things, such as, you know, the Ramadan deed of the day, and about on Christmas, so a lovely thing from yourself about, you know, the value of Jesus to Muslims on the day of Christmas. Why is that so important to you? So, <clears throat> so I've got quite um, a love passion for different um, things and one of the biggest ones from a very young age for me um, has been like community work um, and I'm you know it's not like me being biased but I've always felt more connected to firstly uh, my own community and to uh, to to like improve things for the people that I serve as a as a as a, as a teacher and part of that you know diversity falls into um as a um, as a south asian as a muslim um i do really understand that uh, you know that we do live in a time where you know sadly uh, racism does exist um and things like um, institutional um racism does exist and uh, that's something i re- i really feel passionate about and i know through um, education um you know people do accept um, diversity a lot more and I know f- for a fact that there's a lot of things that some communities don't know about others and I know that you know just sharing small pieces of information can get those communities a bit more c- closer like a lot of people you know don't know that you know Jesus peace be upon him does exist in like like for Muslims and I- I'm sure that thread just shows how there's a lot more similarities than differences. So, and the, well, the one about um, Ramadan, heat of the day, um, my whole rationale around that is um, I secretly wanted um, a lot of schools that didn't have uh, Muslim children to still do it, just so <laughs> they can learn, just so they can learn something about about. A, um, Ramadan and stuff, and I'm just like, because so I try to make it like in a way that every single school, um, regardless of faith, can take part in this activity. For the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, what can I do to bring communities together and to just try and fight this, you know, problem that we have in this world, which is um, racism. And you know, it's it's something I strongly, I strongly feel about, and I and and, and I really do want. A more um, um, ethnic uh, minorities, or to get into um, better positions, and to have the same opportunities as people that are not in um, ethnic uh, minorities. And I and I and I have spoken about um, diversity. Uh, I mean, a few talks that I've 
done. Um, and I think it just comes um, all down to the fact that I, that I strongly feel passionate about my c- community. So it's a lot and of different things. No, no, no. And actually, what's lovely is the fact that, uh, and I did notice that the, the, the tweets you sent about the Ramadan deed of the day, and also more, more so the ones about the value of Jesus in um, Islam on Christmas Day, it was retweeted an insane amount of times. And I think in a way what you've done is beautifully promote inclusion through promoting understanding. And as you rightly say, yeah. celebrating the similarities. And what was lovely was the amount of people, because I was very interested in the replies you got, saying, I didn't realize that actually Muslims value Jesus like we do. I didn't realize he was so venerated in Islam. And I can, you know, talk to the one or two Muslim students I know in a much better way now. So yes, you're right. It's about promoting that inclusivity in any way that you can and using your Twitter power for good, if you will, with the number of followers that you actually have. Now, we've come to another quick uh, news and ad break, lovely listeners. Thank you so much to all of you who are tuned in right now. So, again, go off for a quick cup of tea, a quick loo break, and we'll be back at the other side of this uh, news to continue our discussions about all things inclusion. So don't go anywhere. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Saturday the 15th of January is the deadline for applications to primary schools in England. Parents with children due to start school in September 2022 must go through their local authority to apply for places at their chosen primary schools. In figures released on the Department for Education's blog Education Hub, it is highlighted that 91.8% of families were offered their first choice of primary school in 2021, with 98% receiving offers from one of their top three choices. The website details advice on how to access applications and information on how places are allocated in line with schools' admissions criteria. In Northern Ireland, a profoundly deaf pupil from County Antrim is campaigning for a sign language act after being made aware of how other people in the hearing loss community are supported outside of the province. Alanis Miller is currently studying A-levels in Life and Health Sciences and Mathematics. She hopes to study health and social care and social policy at university and has applied to Ulster University and the University of Edinburgh. During the application process, Alanis was made aware that it was not guaranteed 
that a British Sign Language interpreter would be available for lectures at Ulster University. However, if Alanis was to study in Edinburgh, an interpreter would be guaranteed due to the Sign Language Act in Scotland. Alanis has now begun a campaign appealing for the introduction of a Sign Language Act in Northern Ireland. In a letter to the Lord Mayor of Belfast City Council, she stated that it was important to promote access and that no deaf student should experience the frustrations of being held responsible for their own support needs. The campaign has been praised by the Lord Mayor of Belfast City Council and the head teacher of the secondary school Alanis attends. The Evening Standard reports that hundreds of thousands of pupils will be guaranteed careers advice from the age of 11 if a proposed new law continues to be backed by MPs. The Education Careers Guidance in Schools Bill has cleared the House of Commons with an unopposed third reading and will now undergo further scrutiny in the House of Lords. If the bill is successful, all schools across England will have to guarantee careers guidance to pupils from Year 7, including those who attend academies. In an article on the website Monitor, Emery Marakthor writes about the impact of the pandemic on school children in Uganda. Many children have only just returned to classrooms this month, although relief is expressed by many that this long-awaited return is now a reality. Whilst there is no telling if the return to schools will be disrupted further, the majority are happy to be back, although Uganda's education leaders state that they will continue to ask, what can we do to improve educational opportunities for our children. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Last week I looked at some free apps for the New Year's resolution of getting fit and healthy. This week I tried a few things out and I'm ready to present my findings. First up, the free version of MyFitnessPal. There's an old age saying that 90% of fitness is in the kitchen. If you want to get in shape, you have to have the right building blocks to do so. With this in mind, I set out to log everything I ate and for good measure, I even broke out the scales to get portion sizes correct. My first discovery is that 45 grams of granola, the recommended portion size, is nothing like the portion I've been having. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that it wouldn't even fill a hamster. Realising I was eating three or four times the portion I was supposed to has made me think about my other choices, so I ate the recommended 45 grams and logged the milk. I was surprised how easy it was to find foods in the search feature, even supermarket brands. The app gave me a calorie target based on my weight, height and goal I'd chosen. As I had a coffee, I decided to map out my day and stick to it to stop myself cheating. After a week of tracking, I reviewed what I was eating. I could see where most fat and calories were coming from, allowing me to consider, I'm not promising anything, where I could make changes. The question you want me to answer is, did I lose weight? The answer is yes, but I think my next experiment had the most impact on that. Over the break, I managed to fall asleep watching TV and woke up to an infomercial on a DVD box set to get fit in 60 days. 60 days sounds quite quick, but thinking about it, it's practically two months. However, I did a bit of research and found a programme that didn't need any weights or equipment, just floor space. I picked up the Insanity Workout series for around £35 on Amazon. My thinking being, you'd pay that for a month in a gym and I get to keep this forever. Now, I will confess, I do consider myself quite fit already. However, nothing could have prepared me for this. With Sean T, the amazing energetic coach screaming dig deeper and about 20 fitness professionals bouncing around what looked like a high school gym i've spent 45 minutes a day for the past six days jumping stretching squatting and definitely sweating 
Being honest, I was ready to tap out after the warm-up on day one. I'm not going to lie, I used muscles I don't think I've ever used. By day three, even sitting still and lying in bed at night hurt. After pushing through to day on day seven, a rest day, the pain has subsided and I feel great. I just have one word of warning. If you're looking to do something like this, the long walk from the car park with load books may be impossible in the first week. Read the disclaimer, this is not to be taken lightly. In conclusion, I can't see myself keeping up my fitness pal once the novelty wears off, but it has made me look at my diet. A DVD fitness program for me is great. Finding 45 minutes is not always easy, and if you want to try before you buy, if you're a member of Netflix or Prime already, there's programs on there which are already in your subscription. Next week, we're back to Tech for Teaching. I'm Steve Woods, and this was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Right, welcome back to The Late Show. I trust you're all still tuned in and had your loo or tea break, so welcome back. We are talking live with our very special guest, Mr Stammer, who I won't lie, I've learned so much about you this evening, and I've worked with you for how many months now? I just feel like you're a different person. This is fabulous. Talking about all things inclusion. Now, I was very nice to you. I gave you a nice question before the break, so I'm going to go back to giving you slightly trickier questions. And I did warn you in advance at the start of the show that I would be quizzing you on the same code of practice that you claim to have read, which I fully believe, from cover to cover. Now, to be fair, I'll help you out a little bit here. As a Senko, obviously, all of us, we live and breathe the same code of practice. And I think the main underpinning principles, if you will, of the code of practice are, you know, the views of the children and young person who actually have SEND and their families, obviously, as well, you know, collaboratively working with all agencies to make sure their education, health and care needs are met if they have an EHCP, um, ensuring high quality provision in their respective settings and, sorry, excuse me, making sure that they have a greater choice over the support they receive. For you, in light of what we've discussed with inclusion and what it means to us as educators, which of those is the most important and why? Um, So which one's the most important? Yeah, so out of all of those, having their views heard, the young people's views, uh, all agencies working collaboratively to support them. High quality yeah. provision or giving them more choice, the young people. Which one do you think is the most sort of like superseding? Wow, because I was <laughs> going to say like all of them. Um, Cheat. So, okay, so of course, um, as a teacher, um, I'd say um, who, who was the second one? Provision, as in like teaching the, provision. The third, the third one was high quality provision, the teaching, high quality teaching, if you will. Okay, so um, of course, um, as a teacher, and and like my first thing would have been high quality teaching, um, because I've had roles um, before um, at the time that I became a charity department. Um, I did a lot of teaching and learning, um, and I always felt that that had to be the core first. And the fact that if you provide students with a very high quality of education education to a very to a very high standard that mean that means that you will hopefully be meeting the needs of like all your students so that has to be one of the most important uh, ones secondly i would say they're like agencies and that's mainly because of course they're like your um, of course uh, with the senko they're like the real experts um, teachers are like um, experts, but say senkos and I was just gonna um, say yes. <laughs> are, I'd say you like senkos and um, agencies are 
I'd say you so you're like a lot more knowledgeable and of course you know we get um, advice and training from the Senko from um, agencies um so I'd say those two would be my top two that need to go at trend and there definitely needs to be a like a relationship with with like um agencies because we uh, need their support um, as well and they need um our support regarding getting the views of students um um, I know that we recently did um, have the training in our um, our school, and that's something that I never really thought of, um, and that does play a key part because I think part of the training that I've given in how to support kids with summers, um, one of the big things that I said was talk to the student to find out what yes. they yeah. would like you to do. So that should have rang a bell in my mind thinking getting the views of students um, is important but um, of course you know we are the experts they are the experts as well in, in terms of how they manage their send um, or their disability so if you did want me to rank it um, I'd say <laughs> that's a high quality of education first because uh, without that because that's your bread and butter I think coming to school for that so you must provide that um so that's the way that i see it um, agencies would probably be second gain the views and what was your last one again was it um it was giving the young people a greater choice in the support they receive sadly i think that would be like <laughs> process of elimination that would be my fourth one <laughs> what do you think sorry Hello. Sorry, I muted myself yeah. by accident, the joys of technology. No, in fairness to you, round of applause for your answer because you did very well there. Um, it was a trick question, Mr. Stanley. It was a trick question because they're all underpinning principles of the code <laughs> of practice. You can't rank yeah. them. They're all equally important. You can't have <laughs> a Senko who says, yeah, we've got excellent high-quality provision, but we never ask the children what they want or vice yeah. versa. And also, actually, bonus points for you because... As per uh, SEND protocol, when you have a pyramid, I might actually pop it on my Twitter so, so people can see it visually. There's a pyramid of provision which basically shows what levels of intervention we actually have. And the base of that pyramid is actually the most significant and it is actually universal provision, which is higher quality teaching. So in fairness, in light of that, you're actually, in inverted commas, correct to pick it first and put it first because it is the most important form of provision that meets everyone's needs and actually allows, if executed properly, for any given setting to be well and truly inclusive. So thank you. Well, <laughs> don't hate me after this. So like, it's such a tricky question. No, now, I'm going to ask you one last contentious question because I think okay. this is the biggest bugbear of any SEND practitioner's life. And interestingly, I just responded to a very interesting thread on it earlier today on Twitter. Um, there's such a focus on SEND in terms of the code of practice and all these policies and, you know, blogs, etc. You see at different levels of documentation you can see online everywhere, um, in EduTwitter in particular, about the importance of inclusion and what have you. However, on the flip side of it, now I'm obviously a lot older than you. <laughs> I won't disclose how old because I feel like a dinosaur, an artifact. But most schools, if not all schools I've worked in, Send has always been, and I, I'm talking about other Send cold friends that I have. I've got quite a lot of my friends who are Send codes, in fairness. All of us share the same stories that every school we go to, 
send is always on the school improvement plan. It's always a target. I, if I could bet in my faith, I'd bet a significant amount of money that most schools have got send somewhere on their improvement plan. I'd go so far as to say that. Why do you think that is? Considering how much money has been pumped into send in recent years, especially with, you know, LA and what have you, why is it still such an issue that we still need to be addressing it? Why are we, I hate to use the word failing, we're not failing per se, but why is it something that we still need to master? In the world of so sometimes um, I feel that the reason why it is, because let's be honest, you know, um, firstly, teaching um, is very complicated. I don't think it's, it's as um, as straightforward as we um, think. Like, but I try and think of, uh, let's say, um, improving the results in a department. So, but the way I see it, there's things that um, have been trial and tested before. Doing certain things will, for a fact, improve your like outcomes. I think mm -hmm. when it comes to send and you know and disabilities, I think there's just so much out there that people still don't know about, and it's not um, it's not um, as straightforward. And I think there's so many more like other things to take into consideration that we don't know about. So there could be so many like other factors to it, and I don't think no one has still yet found an answer on how do we improve the like outcomes of all send uh, learners like there's been so many times when um, i've had uh, meetings after meetings saying can you improve the maths um, outcomes for cell learners <laughs> and i put things in place some of them improve some of them don't and then i just come back to a full cycle and it's like, okay, but your send learners are still underachieving. And when I've tried to Google, like, okay, how do I improve? I'm on Google. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, of course, like, of course, when you're not too sure, I'm like, oh, no. okay, like I need to Google, um, um, like, how do I improve um, outcomes for send learners in maths? The, I'm yet to find, like, a magic one that fixes it. So I feel as if uh, maybe it's, I don't know, down to... A lack of research, I don't know, like no one knows the answer. Like, but I know that there's a lot of senkos that do give advice and you have to do it, but but we then still come back to the same cycle again. And I, and, and I think it's partially we probably pass the problem on. Um, I think people uh, or teachers probably just think, um, you know what, I missed the senkos job, or they're getting paid to improve um, outcomes and um, experiences of children of sin, so it's their job, it's not my job. And I think, so maybe it's that sort of a mentality and it, and it goes back to that um, um, saying that, of course, um, all teachers are teachers of send. And I think maybe if um, every teacher took that seriously, and of course, I, I, I speak about myself as well, um, because I'm not saying I'm the most perfect teacher and stuff. Like maybe if we have that mentality shift that's when things will probably start to improve. But I think it's a lot more complicated than we think. I think you've actually answered your, the question I've asked you, and I don't think you've realised okay. you've actually answered the question in uh, fairness to you. Okay, I'm not sure. Call, I would contest a little bit and say send isn't actually that complicated at all. I think it's, as you've said, in my humble opinion, as an ex a, fairly, a very experienced anchor in fairness, it's a shift of mentality and that accountability, accepting the accountability that everyone is your responsibility, including send learners, not just 
a few of them who are high profile, but all of them. And as you said, and rightly so, Mr. Stammer, that if we were to address the higher quality teaching issue across the board, in fairness, in many schools that I've written, I'm sure you've written as well, it would resolve the issue, but over time. And as you said, there's no magic fix and there isn't a magic fix. And I remember vividly getting really heated when I read this, not for the, not because I disliked it, but because I agreed with it, something that a Tom Sherrington posted a few weeks ago now, talking about how there were some students and they were about, they were post-16 students, and the frustrations felt by their post-16 you know, teachers that, my God, this child can't do simple mathematics and why did no one notice? And it really opened up a can of worms that I do, I do feel needs to be addressed that we do have, not the problem per se, because that's got negative, I believe, connotations attached to it, but we need to look at the fact that if you've got a child who comes to you in year 11 and they're 15 and they've got a reading age of six or they've got a numeracy age of five, you, it does beg the question, what happened all those years? What actually happened? Was it a case of, you know, I could really open a can of worms here and say it isn't down to poor primary school teaching. It could be there was a retention issue, dare I say, you know, in the primary school. Yeah. The child had teacher after teacher after teacher, and that exacerbated their problem. Then they came to secondary school, and there was still a retention issue. And then the pandemic hit, and that was an issue because they couldn't learn online. There's so much there to actually unpick, and I believe that if we start with the culture where we try to be as inclusive as fully possible and really, really find on this high quality teaching will start to address the matter. And you also hit another really, really valid point there, Mr. Stammer, about understanding that there is a lack of understanding around SEND. I'm not saying everybody everywhere has to understand neurodiversity inside out or has to understand you know, cognitive barriers inside out, but having a basic understanding of what SEND is and what barriers it can pose for learners is paramount to actually supporting our send learner so thank you so so much for that answer now we're coming drawing for a close unfortunately i'm really really gutted actually because i've loved speaking to you this evening but i'm going to end with a really nice simple question and welcome to i believe if i pronounced it correctly arvin kapil and sahail ahmed welcome welcome to the show um last question for you mr stam and make it a really nice easy one but one that actually makes me very jealous of you if i'm honest <laughs> how, okay. how as a busy head of department in an inner city secondary school, do you find the time to go to Hans Zimmer concerts and go jogging and actually have a really solid social life <laughs> and keep on top of your marking and keep on top of your data and keep on top of your department? How? I just want tips, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> you said that I've been keeping on top of my uh, to list. So oh, I've oh. not been uh, um, at all. Um, so um i've so i've realized that the more that i've you know got into teaching or the longer that i've been teaching i um, i have um, realized that you can't let this job consume me and you still i need to do the things that you really really do um enjoy and there's this thing um like um you know when some people talk about oh um, it's a school night that that means i can't go that sort of thing really like really really like annoys me when i hear people say that because i think that's the point where you've let your job consume your life so i try and make so i make sure that i take many um, opportunity to do the things that i um, enjoy so like going to um hands in my concerts um uh, playing sport a couple of times a week um, i make sure that um, no matter um, like how much work i've got or how long my to-do list is that I need to make sure that I still do that because that's what's going to make me keep um, going. And you need to do, um, I mean, if you're passionate, I mean, something else, 
then you need to keep that going because I think if you just constantly think about teaching um, every day, you will burn out. And I think, you know, of course, uh, life's too short. You, you can um, easily be replaced as a teacher if you leave. Um, so, you know, do you take your job seriously, but don't take it to the point where you feel as if, uh, you know what, it's going to start um, affecting my life, um, if that makes sense. Wise words indeed, Mr. Stammer. I've just tweeted that out because I was so moved by what you said. Don't let work consume your lives, people. You heard it here first, live on Teacher Talk Radio, courtesy of Mr. Stammer. Indeed, thank you so, so much, Mr. Stammer, for your time this evening. I'm actually gutted that the show is finishing because it's been fascinating learning about this new side to you that I've never actually known. <laughs> As my colleagues, so thank you so, so much indeed. Now, listeners, thank you so much for all of you who tuned in and stayed with us and hopefully enjoyed what we were discussing this evening. So I think it's safe to conclude that for true inclusion to really exist, having a culture of inclusion embedded in any given setting is absolutely paramount. And I think it's safe to say having teachers who have positive mental health and well-being because they don't get consumed by their work is also vital to being a truly inclusive school because they model the positive mental health that we hopefully wish to see in the young people placed in front of us. But sadly, in light of, you know, status quo, there is still a lot of work to be done. Now, if you've enjoyed tonight's show, lovely, lovely listeners, we've got some cracking shows coming up tomorrow, starting with The Breakfast Show with Sylvia Stella, which is at from 9am to 10.30. We've then got my brother from another mother, Khalil, with a fabulous Sunday lunch show that's 1 to 2.30pm. After that, we've got the afternoon show with Dr. Harine Otieno. I always hope I pronounce her lovely name correctly. And that's 3 to 4.30 p.m., followed by, last by no means least, the lovely Katie Clark with her Twilight show, which is 5 to 6.30 p.m. So thank you so, so much, listeners, for tuning in. We are wrapping up a little bit early, but I think it's only fair, Mr. Stum, after everything I've put you through, <laughs> and all the challenges I've asked you, um, you might want to go away and have a bourbon biscuit yourself tonight, okay? And you will have very much earned it. The listeners, thank you so, so much for tuning in. And until next week, make sure you stay happy and stay safe and come back and tune in again to Teachers Talk Radio. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.